The name Israel comes from a Hebrew word that means to struggle or one who wrestles with God. It is an appropriate name for the Hebrew people because they have always struggled with God. During the time of the wilderness, wanderings was a time of struggle. In fact, after they had left Egyptian bondage, wandering in the wilderness, they complained that God had brought them out there to kill them. And so they said, why is it that you brought us here? Were there no graves back in Egypt? And so there was a struggle. And then when Moses went up on Mount Sinai, where he received the commandments from the Lord, they got tired of waiting on him, decided that he wasn't going to come back down. And so they went to Aaron and said, Aaron, we want you to make us a new God. The old God, the God that we have followed is not coming back. And so they gave all of their gold to Aaron and he made them a golden calf. So there was a struggle concerning idolatry as to whether or not they were going to follow after God. There continues to be a struggle with the Hebrew people today. There are some in Israel who desire that it become a secular nation while others want it to be a theocratic state. So there has always been with the Hebrew people this struggle with God. But even Jesus struggled with the will of the Father. In fact, that's what Gethsemane was all about. As Jesus was facing the cross and he went to the garden of Gethsemane and there he prayed. And it was a struggle. The Bible says that he sweat great drops of blood. And he prayed and said, Father, if there is some way for man to be saved apart from my dying on the cross, then let this cup pass from me. So the story about Gethsemane is a story of a struggle as Jesus was struggling with the will of the Father. Now, you know how the story ended. He said, Not my will, but thine be done. For this hour came I. So Jesus struggled while he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, we struggle with God, do we not, concerning his lordship? You see, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that when we become a believer, that Jesus becomes the Lord of our lives, that we have been bought and paid for with the price, the precious blood of Jesus. And so the Scripture says then that he becomes the Lord of our lives. But there is a struggle that goes on with us. We accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, but then we want to decide what we are going to do. So there is a struggle that ensues with us. As we go into this, and today we begin our focus on a promise, I can assure you there is going to be a struggle. You are going to be struggling with what God wants you to do. I was talking with one of the members of the uh, committee recently, and he said to me, this is a real struggle for me. I have some other ideas as to what I was going to do. So this is a real struggle for me. You are going to struggle as we move towards March the 25th concerning your commitment. What is God leading you to do? What is it that you are supposed to do? And there is going to be a struggle. Today I want us to look at a man whose life was defined by struggle. His name is Jacob. In fact, Jacob was in a struggle even before he was born. You see, Jacob was a twin to Esau. 
And apparently before he was born, he was struggling with his brother because he wanted to be born first. And the Bible says in Genesis 25, 26, And afterward his brother, speaking of Jacob, his brother came forward with his hand holding on to Esau's heel. And that seems to be a symbolic of the struggle of Jacob. Jacob wanted to be born first, and so he is struggling with his brother even before he was born. And then after he was born, he continued to struggle with his brother. He enticed his brother to sell him his birthright since Esau was the firstborn. He received the birthright. So he came home from hunting one day and and uh, Jacob was cooking a stew, and he says, Boy, that smells good. I'd like to have some of that. He said, Well, I'll give it to you if you'll give me your birthright. So he enticed his brother into giving him his birthright. He struggled with his father. He deceived his father into believing that he was Esau so that he could receive the blessing that actually went to Esau. So he is always a man who was struggling. In fact, one person said Jacob was the kind of person that could enter a revolving door behind you and come out ahead of you. He was always that kind of person. He was always in a struggle. And he is our focus today. Take your Bibles, turn with me, please, to Genesis chapter 32. We'll begin reading in verse number 24. Then Jacob was left alone... And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip, which is on the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. We see Jacob as he wrestles with God in verse number 24. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him. When it says that a man wrestled with him, that is speaking of God. This is called a theophany. It is when God appears in human form, and he oftentimes did that in Scripture. And as I look at this passage of Scripture, there are two things it teaches me as I look at his wrestling with God. First of all, God meets us where we are. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that has always been true. God comes to where we are that he might take us to where he wants us to be. For instance, I look at Abraham. Abraham was a Bedouin. He was a nomadic sheep herder. So when God appeared to Abraham, he appeared to him as a traveler 
who was simply passing by. And the Bible says in Genesis 18:1, Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. So when I look at Abraham and his encounter with God, the Bible says that he was a Bedouin. He was a nomadic sheep herder. And when God appeared to him, he appeared to him as a traveler. And then there's the story of Joshua. Joshua was a soldier. He was a military leader. And when God appeared to him, he appeared to him as a warrior. And the Bible says in Joshua 5.13, that came about when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. But what I want you to see is that he was a military man. God met with him as a warrior. Simon Peter was a fisherman. And when the Lord met with Peter, he met with him at the Sea of Galilee where he was fishing. Well, Jacob was a wrestler. He had been struggling all his life. He had been wrestling all his life. And so when God then appeared to him, he wrestled with him. God meets us where we are. And that's one of the things that I learned from that passage of Scripture is that God meets us where we are. And he will meet you where you are. Folks, as we come to this time, if you're a person of faith, and many of you are, you have great confidence in God, great trust in God. God is going to meet you at your point of faith and stretch you beyond any place you've ever dreamed of being. If you're a person of doubt, then God is going to meet you at the point of your doubt and encourage you beyond anything you have ever done. So as I read this encounter, the thing that I learn from it is that God meets us where we are. God will meet you exactly where you are. So I want you just to be honest with where you are. God meets us with where, where we are that he might take us to where we need to become. But the second thing I see in there is that there God becomes an opponent. Now, that's a little uncomfortable, isn't it? The idea that God meets me where I am and becomes an opponent to me. The reason for that is that God is going to determine who's in charge. We are going to learn who is in charge of our life. Now, look at verse 24. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. The word wrestle that is used there means to grapple with, to get dusty. In other words, this match is about to get down and dirty. I mean, this is WWF. This is going to be a fight that takes place here. So God met Jacob where he was, and the Bible says that they began to wrestle. Now, Jacob fought well. You have to give him credit. He accepted the match. He matched God blow for blow, move for move. He fought long. The Bible says in verse number 24 that he wrestled with him until daybreak. And he prevailed. Look at verse number 25. And when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh. The socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated. 
while he wrestled with him. In other words, Jacob didn't stop short. He went into this wrestling match with God. He fought well. He fought long. And he didn't stop. But here's what I want you to see. Is that his days of wrestling, his days of struggle that had begun in the womb come to an end at this point. Folks, there are some of you today who are just like Jacob. You are struggling with God. Some of you have been struggling with God for a long time. Perhaps it's because of salvation or God's Spirit has been dealing in your heart and He has been drawing you to Christ for salvation to change your life and you struggle with it. You have been struggling with it perhaps for a long time. Or maybe you have been struggling with God's call on your life. There are some of you and God has been speaking to your heart, calling you to a place of service, calling you about your service to God, and you've been struggling with that. That was true with Jeremiah when the Lord spoke to Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, I want you to be my prophet. Jeremiah said, Lord, I can't do that. I'm too young. I'm too inexperienced. And God said, but Jeremiah, I selected you before you were ever born. But there was a struggle there. When God called Moses and said, Moses, I want you to be the one who delivers my people from bondage. Moses said, Lord, I can't speak. You must be thinking of Aaron. He's the one who's the speaker in our family, not me. And he struggled with it. I know that I struggle with it. When the Lord began to call me to preach, that, that was not something that had been in my plan. I did not plan to be a preacher. And so it was a struggle for me. And for over a year, I really struggled with God's call on my life. It could be that that's true with some of you today. That you've been struggling with the Lord. And I can assure you that you are going to struggle as we move towards the time of pledging. And Linda and I are struggling with that right now. You know, you think that if someone is a preacher that they don't go through the same struggles you do? We do. We go through the same thing you do. And so Linda and I have been talking about it and praying about it. And we are going through this process right now. And we are at that point of struggle. And the reason we are struggling is because when we had talked about it, I was at this level, she came in at this level, and so we're struggling about it right now. Now, I've got an idea as to who's going to win out on the thing because she's more spiritual than I am, but it's a struggle that we go through. But the thing that is important is that we struggle with God. In the end, we must be conquered by God. We struggle with God, but we must be conquered by Him. A.W. Tozer said, the Lord cannot fully bless a man until he has first conquered him. So we struggle with God, but in the end, we must be conquered by him. So we see the struggle with God, and, and then we are ready to face ourselves. We struggle with God, and as we do so, then we have to face ourselves. And as I look at Jacob, he was given a new desire. Look at verse number 26. Then he said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. There's an irony to me in that because God had been trying to bless Jacob for 40 years. The Lord had been following him around. He had been after him. He had been trying to bless him for 40 years. And now Jacob has come to the place where he desires the Lord's blessings on his life. May I ask you? What is the desire of your heart? Now, if you're honest about it, 
and you really look and say, what is the desire of my heart? It's going to tell you something about your heart. What is the desire of your heart? Is it this world? Is it fame? I would like to be famous. Fortune, I'd like to be rich. Pleasure, I just want to have a good time. Or is it God? Is your desire, is the desire of your heart for God? I want to know Him. I want to honor Him. Is that the real desire of your heart? Now, see, I believe that if a person is saved, if someone really knows the Lord, that's the desire of their heart. We might not always do what we're supposed to do. We might not live perfectly, but we want to. That's the desire of our heart. If we really know the Lord, our desire deep down is that we want to know Him. You see, the Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. So if I delight in the Lord, if He is the delight of my life, then the desires that I have in my heart are the desires that God has placed there. And I desire Him. So as I look at Jacob, I see he went, he wrestled with God, struggled with God. He was given a new desire. Now he wants the blessing of God. There was an honest confession in verse number 27. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Now that is significant because the last time he was asked that question, he lied about it. In fact, the scripture says in Genesis 27, 18 and 19, then he came to his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. See, when he was asked that question the last time by his father, who are you? He said, I'm Esau. He lied about it. But this time, who are you? He said, I'm Jacob. Do you understand the significance of what he was saying? When he confessed that he was Jacob, see, what he was actually saying is, I am a deceiver. I am a con artist. I've lived all my life that way. There's an honest confession at this point when he said, I'm Jacob. He is recognizing who he is. My friend, you will never really know God like you desire to know God until you're honest about who you are. And boy, sometimes we're not very honest about that, are we? Well, I'm better than so-and-so. Or I'm religious. Or I try to treat my neighbor right. Or I try to be a good citizen. You know what the Bible says about you and me? That we are sinners, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that the best of our works are as filthy rags in the sight of God. That's really who we are. And that's the reason that we need the grace of God. We will never really know God and appreciate God like we want to until we begin to become honest about who we are. So I look at Jacob. He had a new desire. There was an honest confession, and he became a new person in verse number 28. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. God changed his life. He is no longer Jacob, a deceiver, but now he is Israel. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul wrote, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. 
What happened to Jacob in his wrestling match, now then he confesses who he is. He gets honest about himself. He lost the battle, but he won the victory. And as he submitted himself to God, he was empowered by God. And as he became weak physically, he became strong spiritually. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we wrestle with God and we face ourselves. We struggle with God and we face ourselves and then we are ready to move on into the future, not as Jacob, but as Israel. And Jacob would never forget this encounter that changed his life. In fact, he would remember the place in verse number 30. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Peniel means the face of God. It was there that he saw the face of God. Let me ask you. Do you remember that time in your life when you came face to face with God? You never forget that. Those times in your life when you come face to face with God, you never forget it. At the point of salvation, do you remember when you were saved? I know that some people don't because our experience is not all the same. But for those who do, I, I still remember. I'll never forget it. It wasn't a dramatic thing in my life. I was just a, a boy. But I'll never forget it. Oh, happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. You never forget that. Or maybe you came face to face with God when he was doing something special in your life and, and called you into service. I want you to sing in the choir. Be a blessing to the people every Sunday. I want you to teach, teach a Sunday school class. I, I, I want you to disciple. I want you to be a missionary. I want you to do, do you remember that? You never forget that. I remember when God called me to preach, and it was a struggle for me, as I mentioned. For a long time, I fought it because I didn't want to do that. But I, I'll never forget that time. I can still see it in my mind that Sunday morning. And I was sitting about right there in the church. The invitation was extended. I went forward, took John Bassanio by the hand. He said, why are you coming, Wendell? I said, John, the Lord's calling me to preach. He said, are you willing to give up everything to follow the Lord? I said, yes, sir. He turned to Linda and said, Linda, are you, are you willing to go? She said, yes, sir. Are you willing to eat beans if that's what the Lord wants you? We were glad to get beans after a while. But I'll never forget that. You know, th those times in your life when you come face to face with God. And it's not just a religious ritual that you're going through, but you've come face to face with God. It becomes your penile. You never forget it. You see the face of God. That's what I'm praying that a promise becomes to you. That it's that time when you struggle with the Lord, you look at yourself, but you come face to face with God. Face to face with God. See, it's not important that you do what I want you to or what anybody else wants you to. All I want is for you to come face to face with God and do what God wants you to. Our leaders in the church are going to be pledging on the 16th, and the rest of the church family will pledge on the 25th. But I want that to become a time when you never forget it, that it's an experience with God 
that you never forget you come face to face with him. Those places where we come face to face with God, we never forget. And God touches our lives and we never forget that. Look at verse number 31. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel and he was limping on his thigh. You see, Jacob's limp was a constant reminder of the touch of God on his life. That God had touched him back then. Never forget that every time he took a step and limped, it reminded him of that experience with God. The Apostle Paul never forgot that time when he was touched by God. He was on the road to Damascus, and the Lord touched his life. And for a period of time, he was blind. But his life was changed at that point. He'd never forget that. That's what I want for you, that God will touch you in this. You'll never forget it. That you'll come face to face with God, and he will touch your life and change your life. And you'll remember it the rest of your life. Let me conclude. I want you to struggle and wrestle with God in these next weeks. It's not a sin to struggle with God. Jacob struggled with the Lord. Paul struggled with the Lord. I want you to struggle with the Lord. During these next weeks, I want you to wrestle with God. Asking one question, God, what am I supposed to do? But wrestle with God. It's not a sin to do that. And then I want you to be victorious after you've had that wrestling match. Wrestle with God. Face yourself. Be honest. Be honest about yourself. And then we prevail as we yield to God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that will be true as uh, you make your pledge when that time comes. You've struggled with God, you've heard from God, and you yield to God, and you'll be victorious, whatever that means for you. But today, as we come to a point of invitation, I'm going to ask you the same thing. Some of you have been struggling with the Lord and God's call and God's claim on your life, some for a long time. Today, I'm asking you to yield to God. God, what do you want me to do? If you've never come to know Christ as Savior, then he would say, I want you to trust me. It could be that he's calling you into special service to be a preacher, to be a missionary. And you've struggled about it. I understand that. But yield to God. To join the church. Whatever you've been struggling with, could this be the day with you that your life has changed and you'll never forget it? That's my prayer for you. Our Father in God, we come to a time of invitation. And Lord, I pray that your spirit will move in our midst. I pray, Father, for those who are struggling. I thank you that they have been willing to struggle. Now, I pray that they'll be honest in that struggle and yield to you. Lord, for those who are without Christ, my prayer is that today they'll trust Jesus. For those who need a church home, I pray they'll feel welcome here. Lord, may we leave this place fully yielded to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In just a moment, the choir is going to sing. The staff is going to be here at the front. An opportunity for you to say yes to God. Struggle with him, wrestle with him, but yield to him. Do it today.
Stand with me, please, as they sing, You Come, I'll Greet You As You Do.